0: He stripped off his latex gloves and put them in his pocket. Downstairs, he found Carrie Kent sipping champagne. Carrie was a tall Englishwoman with a spectacular mass of reddish-brown hair who spoke both Cantonese and Mandarin fluently. On most working days, she labored as a translator for an insurance firm, but in reality, she was an officer in the British Secret Intelligence Service, the SIS. Did anyone watch me come in? Carmelini asked, just loud enough for her to hear over the hubbub of cocktail party chatter and music. "'I don't think anyone was paying much attention. "'What were you doing up there?' "'I'll tell you about it later. "'Who is this sicko stalking you?' He was referring to a Chinese man who was standing six feet away and openly staring at Kerry. "'An admirer from the provinces, hopelessly smitten. "'All my life I've had this devastating effect on men. "'It's such a bore.' I'm thinking of having chest reduction surgery to end these unwanted attentions. That comment was intended as a joke, for Carrie had a slim, athletic figure. Carmelini snarled at the staring man and guided Kent away by the elbow. Did you get it? She meant the tape. It wasn't there. China Bob is stretched out behind his desk with a hole in his head. Dead? A furrow appeared between her eyebrows. Very. You found the recorder? In the chandelier, but the tape was missing. Just why lying to her was a good idea he couldn't say, but his instinct told him not to trust anyone. Someone had shot Harold Barnes, and another someone, perhaps the same one, put a bullet in China Bob Chan's head. And Carmelini had known Ms. Kent for precisely three days, not exactly a long term relationship. Carmelini scanned the crowd, trying to fix the guests in his mind. The cream of Hong Kong society was here tonight. Tell me, he said to Carrie Kent, who these folks are? She scanned the crowd, nodded toward a man in his sixties in the center of a small crowd. That's Governor Sun Tzu-Ki, surrounded by his usual entourage. The tall, blonde Aussie semi-eavesdropping on everyone is Rip Buckingham, managing editor of the China Post, the largest English-language daily in Hong Kong. Beside him is his wife, Su Lin. Over in the far corner is the American Consul General, Virgil Cole. Let's see, who else? The fellow in the uniform with the highball, standing by the band. General Tang, commanding the Division of People's Liberation Army Troops stationed in Hong Kong. He's been in Hong Kong only a few weeks. She continued, pointing out six industrialists, three shipping magnets, and two bank presidents. Any person in the room could have gone upstairs and popped China Bob, Carmelini reflected. All of them had probably excused themselves and gone in search of the facilities once or twice during the evening. Or someone could have ridden the elevator from the basement or walked to the library from another area of the house. The field was wide open. Still... Tommy Carmelini took one more look at each of the people Carrie had pointed out, then said, Perhaps we should leave now before the excitement begins. A marvellous suggestion. Let me say a few goodbyes as we drift toward the door. Five minutes later, as they stood waiting for the consulate's car to be brought around, Carmelini asked Carrie, So what's on the agenda for the rest of the evening? I don't know, she said lightly and turned toward him. He accepted the invitation and kissed her. She put her arms around him and kissed back. "'You are such a romantic,' she said. "'And single, too,' he said. "'I haven't forgotten. "'I don't recall mentioning my marital status before. "'You didn't. "'Your reputation preceded you. "'Tommy Carmelini, unmarried burglar, thief, second-story man. "'And all-around good egg.' Carmelini said. James Bond, without the dash and panache. Don't knock the recipe until you've tried it. You'll have to sell me. I'm willing to give it a go, as you Brits say. The consulate car pulled to a stop in front of them, and the valet got out and gave Carmelini the keys. After all, Tommy Carmelini said, the night is young. The morning sun shone full on the balcony of the fifth-floor hotel room when Jake Grafton opened the sliding glass door. The bustle and roar from the streets below assailed him, but he grinned and seated himself at the small round glass table. As he sipped at a cup of coffee, he sampled the smells, sights, and sounds of Hong Kong. His wife, Callie, stepped out on the balcony. She was dressed to the nines, wearing only a hint of makeup. With her purse over her shoulder and her attache case in hand. As she bent to kiss Jake, he got a faint whiff of scent. You smell delicious this morning, Mrs. Grafton. She paused at the door. A furrow appeared between her eyebrows. When are you going to start on your assignment? she asked. I'm working on it this very minute. I know it doesn't look like it, but the wheels are turning. Today was the third day of the conference an intense seven-day immersion in Western culture for Chinese college students. Callie was one of the faculty. "'I'm soaking up atmosphere,' Jake added. "'This trip was billed as my vacation, as you will recall.' Perhaps it was the rare sight of her husband in pajamas at eight on a weekday morning that bothered her. She smiled, nodded, and said goodbye. As Jake worked on the coffee, he surveyed the old police barracks across the road from the hotel. The barracks was surrounded by a ten-foot-high brick wall, which hid it from people on the street. Police cars filled the parking spaces around the building. The lawn, however, was a military encampment covered with troops, tents, fires, and cooking pots. Here at least 500 People's Liberation Army, or PLA, troops, were bivouacked. In colonial days, the Royal Hong Kong Police Force must have been a nice life for single British men who wanted to do something exotic with their lives or at least live their mundane lives in an exotic locale today however chinese policemen and soldiers scurried to and fro like so many ants jake grafton drained his coffee cup and turned his attention to the english language newspaper the china post the financial crisis in japan was the lead article on the front page which contained lengthy pronouncements from the chinese government in beijing the article also contained a quote from the American Consul General, Virgil Cole. Jake read the name with interest and shook his head. He had flown with Cole on his last cruise during the Vietnam War, and the two of them had survived a shootdown, and he hadn't seen the man since. Tiger Cole. After his broken back healed, he had gotten out of the Navy and gone to grad school then got into the high-tech business world in Silicon Valley. When he was named Consul General to Hong Kong two years ago, Fortune magazine said he was worth more than a billion dollars. Of course, he was also a generous donor to political causes. Maybe he should call Tiger, ask him out to dinner. Then again. He decided to wait another day. If Tiger didn't call, he would call him. On the second page of the paper was a column devoted to a murder that apparently happened last night. Jake recognized the victim's name, China Bob Chan, and read the article with a sinking feeling. As the key figure in a campaign finance scandal in Washington, China Bob had been getting a lot of press in the United States, most of it the kind of coverage that an honest man could do without. Jake heard someone knock on the door to the room. "'Just a minute!' He checked his reflection in the mirror, no need to scandalize the maid, then opened the door a crack. A man in a business suit stood there, a westerner. Tommy Carmelini. Come in, Jake held the door open. I'm not going very fast this morning, I'm afraid. Have you seen the morning paper? Carmelini asked. China Bob? Yes. I saw the story. It's true, Tommy said. Chan's as dead as a man can get. Let me take a shower, then we'll go downstairs for some breakfast. Okay. Tommy Carmelini sat down and opened his attaché case. When Jake came out of the bathroom fifteen minutes later, Carmelini was repacking his sweep gear in the attaché case. No bugs, he told Jake. Okay, Jake said. By the way, how did you know the story was true? Alas, I met China Bob last night, a minute or two after he had joined the ranks of the recently departed. There was a spent 7.65-millimeter cartridge under a table a few feet away. Who shot him? I didn't. That's all I know for sure. Do you have the tape on you? Carmelini sat and removed it from his sock.